Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism Podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and Katie MD. And today we are pleased to welcome two amazing mamas, Kendrick King and Michaela Hazelton of A Blonde, A Brunette, and Autism. Welcome, ladies, and thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. So, ladies, could you um, first talk about how you two met and began collaborating? Because your story is so um, interesting and just, I think, so fun. Yeah, so Kendra and I met through an online support group for special needs mamas and um we it all started with kendra facebook stalking me (laughs) she facebook stalked me and messaged me um and we ended up talking on the phone i think later that night and we just instantly had a connection we're not just both um special needs moms but we're also both single moms and we just related so much we felt so connected in this like very specific journey that we're on and i think we both felt really isolated before we connected Um, and we both really had a passion for advocating for our kids and knew we wanted to do something and when we realized that we were both on the same path we just thought how great it would be to um, do this together yeah absolutely yeah it's been wonderful being able to you know just connect with a mom that that is going through similar things and for me my we both have boys too and my son's three and um her son jace is six so it's been nice kind of having somebody that you know helped me along the way in the past (laughs) absolutely so girls can you talk about uh, each of you sort of your journey um from diagnosis to now because I feel like um, everyone that we've talked to um, got diagnosed at a different age, started seeing signs of concern at different ages and um, just kind of what that looked like for each of you. Yeah, definitely. So for me, I think we're pretty opposite in in our journey for the diagnosis. Um, For me, I had my son when I was pretty young. I was only 20 and I didn't have, I hadn't really been around a lot of kids. I really had no idea of what, what I was looking for in terms of milestones. So I, I mean, I followed the doctor's advice and things like that, but it took me a lot longer to realize how behind my son was just because I didn't have anything to compare it to. Um, and so I didn't know what to look for. Um, and it was actually my son's annual checkup when he was three, where our pediatrician, um, recommended that we be, we have evaluations. Um, and I was, just shattered. It was a complete shock to me. I mean, I definitely knew by the time he was three that we were behind, but I thought, you know, he wasn't in daycare. He stayed home with my mom. Um, Whenever I was working, she nannied for him. So I just thought maybe he wasn't getting enough socialization or he was just starting late. Just a complete shock for me. And I really went through a huge grief phase and it took me longer to kind of dive in um, and be the advocate that I am today where I think Kendra's experience was a little bit different she was uh, if you want to go on about that Kendra yeah no for sure so first of all I I grew up with a ton of kids my aunt actually um, babysat for and this isn't even legal now but my aunt babysat for like 15 kids and they were all there were six of them that were in the ages of um, you know, one to three. And I was one of the older kids, so I kind of helped her. One of the kids I grew up with, um, he had autism. And so I grew up with a child that had autism and he was actually in my school. because my He was school age, like same, we were in the same grade, all of that, bus rides together. Um, but, you know, even with, and, you know, even with him in my life, I still didn't see that like with my son, Parker. But so I did grow up around kids. All of my cousins now, we all have children. They're all the same age. Um, so I, I did have people next to Parker uh, that were the same age and seeing the huge differences and different milestones that Parker was missing. Um, and originally, Parker was diagnosed with bilateral conductive hearing loss and, you know, I was grasping onto him, you know, with not being able to hear and, you know, all that came back and I truly believe it was misdiagnosed, it's still in his diagnosis, but I think he hears perfectly fine. Um, He can hear his favorite TV show from outside and runs to it, so I mean, you be the judge of that. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, so I knew my son had something going on with him a year and a half prior to his diagnosis 
He just got diagnosed with autism in July of 2020. So I'm fairly new to all of this, but I have a sister who is actually an ABA therapist. And so I, I have people in my life that, um, you know, have been able to provide me with information and knowledge. And I have just jumped in head first, running as fast as I can. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. I think maybe it's gonna be a shock factor maybe once you start school or something, but all my mamas will be there to help me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Not only to receive a diagnosis um, once you had already received one prior, but to receive a diagnosis in the middle of a pandemic when everything is shut down. Yes, and everything, what, what has sucked the most about all that is getting him help because he had early intervention and you know he started with speech and then it was just a speech delay um and i have waited so long to get him more help because of the pandemic so thank goodness we finally do have full help now um it actually just started in the second week of december so that's wonderful but it has literally taken me um over eight months because they wanted to do virtual you know and that's not going to work for any three-year-old let alone an autistic three-year-old so did they try to do your evals virtual or were you still in person? We were, those? we actually, so the psychologist um, or the developmental pediatrician, oh, I think we saw the psychiatrist first, I, I can't remember, but we did do a first two virtually. Um, and I think it was because it was more questions for like the mom. So it right. was more like that. And then she did one of the sessions, she did want me to turn the camera on to Parker just to kind of see his, him and how he is and his behaviors, um, which was pretty obvious. I mean, you know, so she did then go ahead and uh, we had our in-person one though for the final diagnosis. That had to be so tough. Yeah, well, and it was also like, I didn't know any different, you know? So I think like, um, and I also wasn't truly involved, involved yet. And even though I did have like my sister, like I said, she even, you know, she, she's an ABA therapist and works with them on that end. She didn't even really understand the diagnosis process and all that. So um, yeah, it was very tough, you know, and it's very tough doing it alone. I mean, really. Oh, yeah. So can you two talk about um, your collaborations? Because I think it's so um, interesting and beautiful that you two write um, with each other and to each other. And um, it's, just, it's a new aspect that I haven't seen done. Yeah, definitely. I think that when we were kind of creating our page and determining what we wanted to be, we wanted it to just really be like a fun, um, like a fun, not filtered place where you you can go and not feel judged. Um, And we wanna share the impact that finding each other has had on our journey so that other mamas know the importance of finding your tribe and finding the people to go through this journey with. Um, So on our page, you're gonna find everything from writing to videos to um, like fun little clips that we do. Um, There's gonna be like funny stuff and there's also some more raw stuff. Um, We really just have a mix of everything. Uh, You know, everything that we're going through, we just put it all out there on our page. Yeah, and I mean, we really both bring strengths and weaknesses to the table and like what's so great is that i mean everyone has strengths and weaknesses right like but what's so great is that we're we literally like mesh so that my weaknesses are her strengths and her weaknesses are my strengths and you know we learn together and build together and we really are such an amazing team so that's been wonderful yeah absolutely it helps you to um grow up have a partner have a partner really yeah absolutely So what is something you wish other people knew um, about special needs parenting first? And then second, I think um, about single special needs parenting. Yeah, so um, I really feel like for single special needs parenting, one of the hardest things is you, every single decision is on you, right? Like you don't get to, you know, lay in bed at night and talk to your spouse about, what, you know, maybe, and I'm not at this point yet, but what maybe medication you're gonna put your child on or what therapy you're gonna start or should we, you know, not do so many hours or should we do less hours or all of these huge decisions feel so heavy, I'm sure, already as just special needs parents in general. But then when you add that single special needs parent in there, 
it is just so much heavier, I think. Um, so that is probably something that I would really, you know, like people to know. And that's what's been so wonderful though about meeting Michaela is I will call her and like, I will get her advice and I will cry to her and we'll laugh or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I mean, still at the end of the day, it's your decision and it's on you, um, for sure. I mean, then it just with special needs in general, I mean, you know, it, it is not, I always, always, always try to go back to what did I know previously before my son about autism, right? And my family, I'm so blessed. They want to know and want to know how to help and they want, they love Parker and they accept him. But like, it is so hard to explain to them how to help or what, what you know, what it's like or, you know, wh why does it take us, you know, longer to get out of the house or, you know, why do we show up later? Uh, or why does Parker need, you know, a room to himself when we go somewhere? you know, if he wants to get away, you know, so he has a little area to be by himself if he wants to get away from all the kids. Um, I, I think that one of the hardest things for me is to explain it to our loved ones. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just tough, you know? Right. So Katie, what is it like for you to explain um, Jackson to your family? Because you don't yet have a diagnosis, but there's definitely something going on there that I think you can kind of relate to Kendra there. Definitely. You know, with us, it's, you know, an interesting situation just because we have Avery. Avery's older. Avery is diagnosed. Uh, Avery was diagnosed on the severe end of the spectrum, nonverbal. And that's what we know. That's what our family is used to. That is what our friends know, um, our community, everything. And then we had Jackson and we were always not only explaining, but then also talking about it with everybody that, you know, we have this boy, Jackson, and, you know, maybe he's just a slow talker. And then it was, you know, maybe he's not getting enough attention. And, right. you know, it was all of these things trying to explain what was going on. And then when you kind of got right down to it, it was like, no, there is something going on. It's not because, you know, he's the youngest. It's not because, you know, a speech delay anything like that so explaining that when our you know our our immediate family and then also our friends and everybody in our extended circle could see Avery it was very hard for them because it took them years to get used to Avery and the way Avery does things and needs you know just like you had said Kendra about you know kind of his own room when we go somewhere and right. all these things they've made adjustments so with Jackson, it was like a whole new set of rules mm -hmm. and then a whole new set of learning for everybody. So Jackson's going to be five and he is still learning. Right. And he's still learning and we're still learning and everybody's learning together. And you can you can't compare the two. And and we've been put in a lot of situations where Avery and Jackson are compared. And you know, because Jackson can talk now and and tell us what he wants or what he needs, um, you know, it's like, well, it's nothing. You know, it's 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 just like you know, he's just going through like terrible twos, but it's extending to the age of five, like right. you know. So it, because they, they compare him to Avery and that Avery, you know, is nonverbal, and it, it's really hard. So I constantly find myself, and and my husband is kind of the same way that either both of us or us uh, separate are always explaining to people, and they're like, oh, how's your son doing? And it's like, which one do you want to know about? Right. Because I can tell. <laughs> Good time. And right. then, you know, when they ask, you know, then they're like, you know, usually ask about the other one after. And then, you know, they ask the questions like, why, why all of a sudden that Avery is, you know, going to be 10? Like, why is now, you know, he decided to start talking? I have no idea. I don't know the why. Right. I'm I, but you know I don't and and then you know then they have questions about Jackson and you know why is he talking and he doesn't have a diagnosis yet and it's like I wish I knew all the answers so together we're all kind of on this journey and learning about everything and and it's really hard because I think you know for our family I think they look at us and think that we have all the answers yes. we we know the whys we know exactly how it's supposed to work so when we don't know ourselves 
you know, they're just like, what's happening? Right. Like, you know, so then it's just, it's a, it's kind of, it's tricky and it kind of can be a mess. So, um, it's, it's such a different journey. Our, our journey that we went through with Avery was intense between therapy and trying to receive supports and brand new to autism. I can say that I knew little to nothing about autism, um, you know, before it was part of our life. I really, I really didn't, and neither did our family. And, and it was so, so new. And then, you know, with Jackson, it is such a different journey that we're on because he can talk and, and um, because we're experiencing many different variations of things with him that we never went through with Avery. So it's not to say that we don't, it's not to say that, you know, Jackson isn't on the spectrum or is on the spectrum. He's just a very um, medically and then also, um, you know, sensory complex little guy that is not black and white. Avery, it was very, very black and white. It was, you know, this is what he needs. This is what we need to do. And this is how we support him and, and try to push him to gain words and communication and be able to, you know, be a part of our world and we be a part of his and Jackson kind of threw this curveball. So I can honestly say that there was a good chunk of me that when I had Jackson, and even to when he got to just over the age of two, I can say that I was cocky about it. And I was like, well, if he has autism, like we have this handle. Like, thing in my head, like it's going to be the exact, that's how naive I was. I had this idea that it was going to be the exact same as Avery. If it was going to be, you know, because it's, you know, it's DNA and like, that's just the way it is, right? Like, right. I was so, it was so ridiculous. And then kind of like came and slapped me in the face a few times. And it was like, okay, this is completely different. So what are we going to do? So it was all of this learning we had to do again and figuring it all out. And I still don't have it figured out. Like, it is still like, we are winging it. We are surviving with coffee. We like... I, you know, I don't know how, you know, either of you guys, Kendra and Michaela, like, I don't know how you guys do um, all the things and everything and, you know, parenting and doing it, being single parent. Like, I don't know how you do that. Um, I I did it briefly with my oldest son, uh, Avery, and it was hard. It was really, really hard. And, um... I I don't know how I just did it for that very short period of time in my life, um, but it is remarkable to me, and it's amazing. And I love talking to moms that have kids, you know, with autism, special needs, whatever it may be, and you know that are single moms or single dads, and and hearing what they go through and their emotions and how their families help them, how they support them, all of it. Cause I find it fascinating and, and just I, something really, you know, that I don't think a lot of people know, or, you know, um, it's not talked about, I guess, is what I want to say. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that was the, the big thing that Kendra and I connected over when we were starting our pages, even on support groups for special needs parents, there's not a lot of talk about the no. single parents that are going through the same thing. Um, and it can be hard to, con you know, you can still connect because everybody's going through their journey and it's hard for all of us, but it can be hard to connect when you're on a, a call and everyone's talking about like them and their husbands doing this and their husbands are watching the kids so they have a break and, and uh, you know, it's of course hard for everybody, but it's hard to connect whenever you don't have right. that option. Um, you're doing it on your own. See, and you know, for us, it, it's, you know, it's so strange because, you know, as I say, like I, I remember doing that. And, and when Avery was very young, Avery was, you know, um, he was about one ish and, uh, that, that was my life and, and was being a single mom and, and I had Avery and, it was really, really tough. And what it was so tough, but at the same time, my personality and kind of way that I am, I almost got into like a routine and like kind of like a rhythm. It's really weird. And, you know, I was like, this is it. It's just me and Avery. Like, mm -hmm. we're going to do our thing. We're going to 
live our life and that is the way it is and it's going to be fine and i wanted that and i i was fine with it actually and there was a lot of hard but i also had a very good family a very supportive family that wanted to you know help and and knew that Avery needed you know them just as much as he needed you know and and all of that so um it really wasn't till Avery was you know just before you know he was 2 that i ended up meeting my husband now and you know i said to him i was like we're going to be friends like we're going to do this cool thing friendship and i wanted nothing i wanted to just focus on my kid and work and that was it and then i don't know what happened i don't know like he it must have been something in the water or i don't know what but like then i decided and had this crazy idea that um you know i was going to be with husband and and uh we ended up getting together and we had two kids together so um me and my husband you know biologically you know our two our daughter and our youngest son Jackson are together and uh my oldest Avery I had from a previous uh relationship and it's it's such a it's such a crazy thing because I did the single single parent thing and for a little bit in and the very start of special needs and and early intervention and all of that and um I love hearing your guys' story. I think that it is inspiring for a lot of moms and it is remarkable to hear because it definitely is something that is not talked about. And and I know that from kind of my own little short journey I did with it and then uh one of the families that I connect with uh that live in Canada where we live and I hear from different moms or moms that are you know married at one time and they're going their separate ways and I like to hear their story and how their kids are doing with it and how they're feeling supported and everything else so I I love that you guys are chatting with us about all of this because I find it fascinating thank you So Michaela, I'm going to ask you the same question that um I asked Kendra, but I want to make a note on where Kendra said she tried to remember what she knew about autism um before her son's diagnosis and I knew nothing except for um like TV's interpretation, right. which is not right. at all accurate 99% of the time. So I had no idea what I was walking into um with Jackson because I knew no one. I had no friends. I that had children on the spectrum. I hadn't um you know had children in my family growing up who were on the spectrum and um it it's hard to stand in front of a group of people like I remember my first parent support group and saying um I have a child who's on the autism spectrum and I've never had to talk myself into doing something so much in my life as walking into a room right. and saying that because it was so heavy and so hard because I didn't know what that world was going to oh, look yeah. like. Oh yeah, I I struggled with that a lot. I had I had a lot of depression when my son was diagnosed. I was recently divorced. Um still coping with that whenever my son um started his evaluation process and I just I already felt like I couldn't be a single mom at this point. Like I still didn't even know how I was going to take care of him by myself and how I was going to be able to juggle everything. And then in the middle of that finding out that you know and now he has special needs and I just felt like there's no way I can provide like what he needs and there's no way I can be the mom that he needs. And I was the same. I couldn't even say the words. I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't even hear the word autism without crying because and and it wasn't even so much about my son. I mean, I was scared for what the future would hold, but I was also scared that I wouldn't be a good enough mom to provide what he needed because I just had no no information. I didn't know I didn't know anything else was to do. There was like lists and lists and lists of things that they tell you that you need to have, you know, early intervention and all of this stuff and all of these services, but then you try to get those services and there's a wait list for everything. And I work full time and these appointments are in the middle of the day, but I have to work because I'm a single mom. So it's it just was very very overwhelming. Um and I think that the one thing I'll say is I've 
you know, I've settled into this and it's something that now I carry very well and I want to be an advocate and I'm proud of, you know, our journey. But I think the one thing I would want people to know is just because we carry it well doesn't mean that it's not still heavy and not still hard. Um, I've noticed that since I've started sharing our journey, I've had a lot of people in my life who have made comments like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that that you were going through that, like people at my work or colleagues, they're like, oh my gosh, I just, I had no idea that, that that's what it was like for you. You know that I have a special needs child, but people don't see the inside of it. So I think that that's what I would want people to know is, you know, even if you don't see the hard, it's, it's hard for all of us. And we only yeah. share little bits. I mean, um, there's a lot of parts of Jackson's um, life that are private and we right. stay private because he, um, he deserves that. And I want that for him. And um, the hard is hard to talk about. Aggression is one thing I said I would never discuss because um, it's hard. It's a dirty, it's a dirty little secret. Cheryl says it all the time, and we feel that. Um, but this year, this year, I finally shared because um, parents need to know it's not your fault. It's nothing you did, um, and that they love and you you're still. Not alone. Um, Absolutely right. Um, that it was um, because I was the one placing demands and I was the one that was trying to help him through therapy and I was the one um, that he saw in, in control yeah. um, and that's why he was angry and th and that is valid and I and I struggled with that for so long and our therapist said he doesn't love you any mm -hmm. less it's just he's having a hard time right now yeah and I I think that the harder topics, the you know, the harder the topic is, the more it's going to resonate with people. The more taboo it is. I, Kendra and I always say, like, I can say the things to Kendra that I used to be afraid to say to myself. The things that I had, you know, guilt for saying or even the things that you don't even want people to know you think. Because you have to be able to say those things and have someone else be like, oh my gosh, I feel that. I know exactly what you're going through. For you to forgive yourself for, you know, for feeling this way. Um, hearing other people don't don't judge you for it but feel the same thing as you there's such a relief that comes off your chest where you know like I'm not a bad mom you know like I'm doing the best I can and other people see how I feel and I feel like it's those topics that really make the biggest difference with people absolutely um, and with Jackson we um, like Katie said she was cocky we were cocky um, we did a um, evaluation or we did a clinical trial with uh, one of our bigger hospitals and it was about rigid behavior and routine and we're like oh, we don't have any of that we don't have any of that like <laughs> I can't even imagine what these like, parents oh. go through and then it was right and we and let me tell you it bit me in the butt because um he went through a period of time where if it wasn't what he wanted when he wanted and how he wanted it the world right. could not go on and um we didn't know those parents' struggles walking into that building, and I, um, I, 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 I feel for them now because that was one of the hardest parts. Was what happened, and right. what do we do now? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, ladies, you, um, you both have non-sleepers, right? Like we all yeah. share that. Trait. We all do. We all have non-sleepers. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like I said, I could write a book 999 ways not to get your child to sleep because we've tried yes. them all. If there is a um, if there is a supplement, an oil, a blanket, a light, yes. we've done it all. Um, so can you just can you talk about that? Because I feel like that that sleep deprivation puts me in my lowest of lows emotionally because you're already down. Yeah, absolutely. And let me tell you something. I struggle with this tremendously. Like, and you want to talk about as a single mother, a single parent, like that is even worse because there is nobody trading nights with you or, you know, trading shifts. So that is even more sleep deprivation, right? But, um, you know, Parker is, he just sleeps when he wants to and doesn't sleep when he doesn't want to, you know, some nights he'll sleep. We went to a sleep doctor recently and they had us do a sleep log and, um, you know, I mean, he, he would sleep, you know, three hours one night, the next night he might sleep two, the next night it would be like four, the next night it might be five, the next night it might be one, then he might get up and then sleep one in the afternoon. And it's like, it's just crazy. And there's no consistency. And you all, you, when you are tired and you have not slept properly days after days after days, weeks after weeks, 
you cannot function. You are not the best version of yourself for anything, whether it's for you, your child, you know, for work. Um, you know, forget about being on time for anything. My God, I mean, I haven't been on time for anything in over a year. So you're actually pretty lucky I was here on time tonight, <laughs> let me tell you. But you know, if it was the morning, uh-uh, wouldn't have been there on time. <laughs> Well, and like when we were going through sleep deprivation, there was a point where I think it was like 97 days that he didn't sleep past 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. So I can tell you, I would buy new clothes so I didn't have to wash clothes and dishes were not a priority and takeout was the best option because if it saved me 20 minutes where I could catch a cat nap, you better believe that's what I was doing. And that didn't make me less of a mother. That just made me smarter (laughs) than what was happening in my home. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Did he go to bed? What, so what time McKay, would he go to bed? Like, is he parking until, like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning? Like, what time would um, Jackson go to bed? Like, if he got up at 2 a.m.? Um, so, with Jackson, he is, he um, reminds me of Kate's Cooper. He's a little old man. Like, 8 o'clock That's is awesome. our window. Like, 7.15, we are, we are laying down for bed. For a long time, he needed melatonin to help him calm down because it would take two to two and a half hours. But the melatonin would put him to bed so quickly that it was like he slept 12 hours in a four-hour window and then he was up and ready for the day. Um, He now is a much better sleeper, but we trialed a lot of supplements and a lot of meds and a lot of routines. He now takes um, an antihistamine prescribed by his doctor at a very, very low dose. um, And it puts him to sleep at right around 8 o'clock, 8.30 and most nights he sleeps until at least And five. that sounds awesome. Like, but like to other people probably doesn't, but that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> it's better than 2 a.m. Right, and the right and the rare occasion that he sleeps till 6 a.m. We're like, we just slept in. Like, this is what the rest of the world feels like when they sleep in. <laughs> right. We just slept well, what's in. so crazy to me is like melatonin works for some kids. I gave it to Parker and I'm not even kidding you. It was like he was a demon child. He was climbing the walls. I mean, I was like scared of him. I'm not even kidding. Like, I was like, what is going on mm-hmm. here? Like, and I mean, I know yeah. that's terrible to say, but it's the truth. And like, you know, I, I know other parents have experienced that too. Um, I've asked it on support groups and things like that. And that amazes me that, you know, a natural supplement can do something to one and do something totally different to another, you know? Absolutely. Michaela, what about for so you? So we used to have really terrible sleep issues. Um, it's probably been... I want to say like maybe a year and a half since we've gotten bet like a better sleep cycle and I always joke that this is my magic house because my son we moved and in my old house my son did not sleep he was he couldn't I mean he couldn't sleep at all he was up all night we had all the same struggles and I almost felt like I was talking to myself but for every day for like months I was like when we move in the new house you're not going to do this anymore and like my son was nonverbal at the time so I you know I, I didn't know if he was understanding me I, most of the time I thought I was just talking to myself but we moved into our new house and like the first night that we lived here he I I went to put him in his room like totally thinking that he it was never going to work and he was going to come in my room and it just worked and he um he slept through the night in there and we'll still have them occasionally but for the most part I mean like the sick we get we get up at 6 a.m every morning and we that's that is my sleeping in um but we are lucky that he does sleep much better now we're the same it's um we hit some hiccups but they're not for as um extended mm-hmm. amounts of time. yeah like i'll have like the random so, day where he'll wake up at two o'clock in the morning and won't go back to sleep i think i've the most i've had it in the last year and a half is two days in a row and then it'll stop and i think like kendra was saying other people hear that and they're like oh my gosh i can't believe you have to get up at six and i'm always like i am so grateful that i sleep until six right I, don't, <laughs> you guys like, also, don't you guys also feel like I feel like this. I don't know if y'all have people in your life that feel like this or if it's just me in general, but I feel like people sometimes don't believe that that they don't sleep like that. And it's so common across the board. I mean, so many special needs parents have, you know, talked about this and, you know, I've read about it, but like sometimes like, I mean, even my parents, I mean, I don't think like my mom really believed until I was like sending her videos at two o'clock in the morning of Parker running around. Like, did you guys go through that? Oh, mine didn't believe it until I forced them to have sleepovers <laughs> with my kids. And then they'd call me by like 6.15. They're like, you have to come get them. They've yeah. been awake for hours. I'm like, right? welcome like, to our world. Because I can't welcome imagine somebody not being able to sleep like that, you know? 
Right. Or she tells me I need to just take him outside because he just needs to wear himself out. Or they need a bedtime routine or whatever. Yeah. Doesn't happen. Yeah. So Katie, you, um, you post a lot in the middle of the night to prove that your kids haven't slept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do actually. That's a, that's a regular occurrence over here. Um, yeah, we're. It comes in waves. You know, when Avery was much younger, the sleep was non-existent. But you know, you get so um, climatized to it that it just yep. becomes your normal. And then when you do get sleep, you're like, "Is it gonna storm?" Like, because we live in Canada and our weather is crazy up here. So then, like, it was like became a joke. Like, is it gonna storm because Avery slept, or like, you know? Because it was so rare, like so rare that that kid would sleep. And then now, you know, he's going to be 10 and it has, it comes in waves. You know, there, it's like there can't be a full moon. He, you know, we can't go to a parade. They're like all the things have to be exactly right and then the kid will sleep. But if there's something new, like, okay, so we just went through Christmas here. So because Avery got, you know, all the things for Christmas, it's so much for him to kind of come down from that high of Christmas, like opening presents and everything, that he stays at like this energy level right now of 100. It'll be like this for like probably the next two weeks. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and he picks and chooses when he wants to sleep and when he doesn't. He's not a real big napper. That's the thing during the day. So pretty much we're in it to win it till the next night. So he, you know, will go straight through till the next night. Um, He might go two days in a row with little to no sleep. And then he'll just drop. And he'll drop at like, say, 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. And and he'll sleep till 9.30 in the morning. I I consider that a win. So um, it it was a lot worse when he was younger, better now. um, But it comes in waves. And then with Jackson, um, that kid is just literally all over the map. Like, if I had to draw a map out for somebody about all the things that go on with Jackson, I would be drawing somebody a map, a new map, every 48 hours. Because that's how much it changes. It's never the same. Like, we we did a, a kind of like a sleep, you know, sleep chart and, and vitamin chart and all this stuff. And it descended into the pediatrician. And it was just, it was insane. It was craziness. And, and I never had to do these things for Avery. So once again, very different different journeys and I did that for Jackson and um the pediatrician had called me back and said okay but you sent me like five different things I'm like "Uh uh-huh I did yep Mm -hmm." and she's like well why is you know why is he doing this then and that then and eating this now and just so many things like and that's the thing that um the difference with Avery and Jackson Avery is very much uh set in his ways he likes to wear the same, you know, winter coat. He likes certain types of shoes that are Velcro or Fox. Uh, he very much likes what he likes and doesn't like what he doesn't like. He just and it's, it makes it easier almost. He only eats certain food. Where Jackson, you know, will go two months of you know hot dogs and French fries and chicken nuggets, and then one day he wakes up in the morning and he doesn't eat anything for a week and a half. And we can't get anything into him, nothing. Um, and then he loses a whole bunch of weight and like, it's craziness. So um, those boys, I tell you what, I swear though, actually uh, this year, I feel like has aged me five years. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I tried new cream out. This is, I'm that mom, okay? Cause I could see it when I was, I was getting little to no sleep. And then also, um, trying to do all the things and homeschool my children this year that I could tell in my face by my eyes I was getting those like I don't know what they're called like crow's feet or whatever I am only 31 I should not have that I would like to point that out Um, and I'm getting them so I got these like crazy like eye patch things everybody should get one I'm probably going to send some to everyone here but they're like 24 karat like eye patch things that are supposed to suck it all in it's like Botox and an eye patch. Anyways, besides the point, but um, I tried them and I feel like I may have to try them a few more times. Either they don't work or that's just how much I've aged that I need to do it double. 
I'll tell you what ages me five years is logging their sleep and their yes. supplements and their food and their poop and their behavior. I'm like, I can't keep track. How do you keep track? Yep. It all runs into each other. Yep. So ladies, can you um, tell us what advice would you have if there's another um, single special needs mama listening um, who is in the trenches, who may have just received her diagnosis, who may just now be a single mom and just need some advice. Yeah, need some sure. Help. So first thing I would say, mama, is take a deep breath and take one thing at a time and, you know, definitely find, you know, lean on your family, lean, lean on your loved ones, right? Like, and you're not alone. I think that's one of the hardest things is that you already feel alone being a special needs parent. But when you're a single special needs parent, like you feel even more isolated, I feel like. Um, and I think it's even harder to reach out. I've always personally had a problem asking for help. Um, I still do to this day. Um, but I do think that that is very important just to kind of take, you know, one thing at a time, you know, you can be so overwhelmed by all the information and, um, you know, just, you know, do your research and, you know, study. And I also think, you know, for, I also want to say to parents or, you know, any loved one that's listening that has a special needs child in their, in their family, I feel like, I feel like this would help me if my family did this, like if they did research as well and they educated themselves on, you know, what, what their loved ones are going through because it's already so hard for us. You know, I, I, I have a very hard time, you know, explaining what's going on in my life, like to my loved ones that I feel like, cause I'm learning too, you know? So I think it would be very helpful for other loved ones to kind of help them through that as well, you know? I also think any loved one that says, how can I help instead of waiting for you to ask for help? Yeah. It's a world of a difference. Definitely. So Michaela, what about you? I always have two main pieces of advice that I would say. My first advice would be like for the newly diagnosed mom, um, however you are feeling, however you take this diagnosis is valid. I think that people handle these diagnoses in so different ways. I think Kendra and I are a great example of that. You know, she went one direction, I went the other. She jumped into it head first and I had a really hard time embracing it. I wasn't instantly this amazing advocate. I couldn't, you know, it was too much for me and I think, I felt guilt for that and I think however you're however you process your diagnosis you're you're in your right to do that and if if you need to grieve that's okay and if you don't need to grieve that's okay I mean however you process it I just my advice would be that you're not wrong you're not doing anything wrong um, you don't need to feel guilty for your feelings you're valid in how you feel um, and then my other advice, especially for the single moms, is find your people to process this with and to go through this with. You, meeting your tribe and your other um, your other special needs moms will literally change your life. That was something that I I had no idea what impact it would have on my life until I met Kendra and all the other moms in our in our groups that we follow. Um, and so you know, find those people that you can go to because it'll change everything. And I think. Um people say find your tribe find your tribe and you hear it as a saying until you're in it and once you find them you're like this oh, is yeah. what they were talking about oh i took pride about. before yeah, in like exactly. not being involved it, in facebook groups and things and now i'm like you know no you got to get involved like this is good like you know mhm mm right it's a, it's almost like when you're about to have a baby and they say you'll never understand how much you love this baby and you're like, I don't, how do you love something so much right. that like you've never seen, you've never held. And then that moment you hold that baby, you're like, this is what they were talking about. Finding yeah. your tribe is the same thing. Absolutely. You'll know when you know. Yep, absolutely. Michaela, I love how you had said about um, just grieving and feeling and, and all of that, because I think that is something that is very much not talked about and something that is not said, uh, be it for single moms or just parents getting diagnosed, like just everything, that there is this idea that because it is your child and you love your child with all of your heart, that you are not allowed to be sad or you shouldn't be sad or why are you sad because your child got diagnosed? Like right. what is there to be sad about? And, and sometimes there's this idea that, you know, you can't be sad or you can't show emotion. And I know for a lot of families and, and even for myself, 
I, for quite a long period of time, had held everything in and didn't want to show that I was sad and didn't want to be upset and didn't want to talk to anybody about how upset and and how I was feeling because I didn't know if they would understand. And the few people that I did open up to, they didn't understand. So then instantly it was like, well, let's ring those feelings back in here because the world is not ready to see them or hear them or know what I'm going through um, and what our family is going through um, with autism and special needs and just all the things um, that really, it really, if, um, if we could go back in time and meet before autism, you know, and, and I'm saying this like before, you know, I had Avery, I was very much the person. And of course, you know, with social media and everything, people have a hard time believing that, but it is so true that, um, I was not a big social media person. I was very quiet, reserved. I very much did not talk um, you you know okay. against the grain anything <laughs> right it, it's weird I know um it really really is strange and autism this this journey of uh Avery when he was younger that started off with a lot of chaos and destruction and aggression and everything um literally brought that out of me and literally changed our life and our world and the way that I see things and the way that I talk and the way that I feel about things not only our own journey but make sure that other people know kind of what you had said Michaela about that they can feel whatever they feel and that's okay and and sometimes I think you have to tell people that and for us it was us going through the hard Everybody wonders, you know, why I started sharing and and why, you know, why do anything that I do? Why do I do that? And it was because we went through the hard. If we would have went, you know, and and had, you know, autism a part of our life and we would have, you know, just got, you know, therapy given to us in some perfect world, real weird world that nobody experiences. But, you know, if it would have been easy if it would have been easy and things would have been handed to us or I wouldn't have had to fight for Avery to get therapy. And if if our journey would have been somewhat different um, and not so intense, I don't think I would have our page. I don't think I would be doing the things that I am doing now. I don't think I would be talking to you guys. I, I don't know if I would be doing this podcast with Amanda. So as much as I wish we never went through the hard and I wish that I would have certain parts, you know, shared my feelings about things or held my feelings in. I feel like everything happened for a reason and there's a reason why we're talking. There's a reason why uh, I know myself and Amanda and you girls, both, everybody has found their tribe and that we are now all connected and able to you know talk and learn from each other and hear each other's stories and tell other moms that it is okay to be sad it is okay to feel you know or even go through the grieving process when your kid gets diagnosed or if it takes a little bit longer for you to figure out what that looks like it's okay because we are all different and with our family and me us going through the heart and me taking the autism you know label diagnosis whatever you want to say that being a part of our life hit me so hard it was like the titanic ship came crushing down on me and then a train came and like ran our whole family over like it was intense that that is literally that hard and that stress and everything what pushed me to find my voice and everybody finds it so odd because I really was. I was the quietest person ever. I literally didn't have an opinion on almost nothing. Um, so it is quite odd because now I, I will tell you exactly how I feel about all the things. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to. I mean, that's the thing you learn through this journey is you have to be that mom that, that you know, I always joke, I, I'm that mom that probably has like a oh, car in the sure. systems of my son's therapy and stuff. Because they're like, this mom is going <laughs> to throw a fit if you don't do it right because you have to you I I tried it the other way for such a long time I was timid and nice and you know overly friendly and overly wanted to make other people feel comfortable and 
you can't uh-huh. do that with autism. You have to demand that people give your kid the service and, and the care that they need and otherwise they're not going to get it. Well, and that's the thing. It's 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 this weird thing because I actually, my husband, you know, we joke about it lots. Um, I, I really am a nice person and things like that. But when it comes to my kids and it comes to, you know, what their future looks like, and how what we need to do and what I need to say and what paperwork needs to be submitted and how that looks and who needs to help us along the way. I very much am a different type of mom and and I'm not the mom that sits there, you know, and is like, oh, okay, and just agrees. Uh, I'm very much the mom being like, so is it getting done today? And why aren't we doing this this way? Um, and from that, from our heart and, and from finding my voice and everything else, um, I turned all of that into, you know, our page and into a full-time gig now advocating for hundreds of families and on families, you know, IEPs and everything else um, from literally going through our heart and, and finding my voice. So it is such a, it's such a strange, a strange thing how our family fell into this and how I did, but I love it so much because until that happened, I never found my tribe. I just had all these people that I knew. And now I actually do have this tribe, this this set of women that I am able to talk to and tell them everything. And and Amanda knows this to be true. Like we um there is so many that I've been able to connect with uh through, you know, coops and then also, you know, from some other things that I feel like my cup is full no matter what type of hard our family is going through and what type of feelings and emotions I'm going through my cup is full because I have a tribe and I think that's oh so important to have one um, because your tribe is what is going to understand and recognize all the emotions that you're experiencing and going through And I think to go back to what Michaela said, your feelings are valid and um, s- sad is is very common at the beginning because you are going through a grieving process yep. for a life you had pictured. And then when these winter months come, I slip into sad again. Um, I can't determine if it's sad because of, you know, just being in the house or if it's therapy burnout by the end of the year, but I, I slip into this sad again every year and I know it's coming, yep. but don't stay there. You can't, exactly. Yeah. You can't. You can't stay there um, because your your child That's needs you, thing, and yeah. um, there is some there is so much joy to be found. It's. Um, I promise you will find something every single day, and it might not be great in that moment, but the next day you'll look back and realize that it was. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there I was truly joy to be believe, found. like yeah, you know, absolutely. having my son being diagnosed with autism, like it has literally. I am a better person today than I ever was, you know, prior to that. I, I mean, I really am. And I, and I feel like, you know, most parents feel that way, you know, and, and, and like one of you said before, you know, it just, it's just opened your mind and your heart and, you know, the way you look at things. And, you know, I, I do think that that's something that you cannot see or even imagine when you first get that diagnosis, right? Like, and I'm very grateful for that. You know, he teaches me every day, you know? Absolutely. So girls, how can people connect with you and follow along with your amazing journey and your amazing kiddos um, after they've listened to the podcast? Because I know they're going to want to keep hearing more from you. Yes, we would love it if you guys would follow us. You can find us on Facebook at Blonde Brunette and Autism. um, And then also on Instagram. um, And on Instagram, our handle is a blonde a brunette and autism um and you can also find us on our website a blonde a brunette and autism.com well ladies thank you so much for sharing with us it has been so wonderful to talk i feel like we've known each other forever just because we all share so much um in common it was thanks lovely. for having so us thank you so much love to do this again thank, thank you ladies. yes thank you and we will see everyone again